0: As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster.
1: There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp.
0: Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's
1: time to come home. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay, and I'm excited to welcome to the show Gory Corey, teen horror blogger, co host of the Screen Teens podcast, and Fangoria's teen correspondent. Corey, thanks so much for joining me in this episode of Filmstrip.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. And we're here to review Starry Eyes, starring Alexandra Esso, Amanda Fuller, Noah Sigan, Maria Olson, and Louis de written and directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmere, released in 2014 off a Kickstarter campaign, uh, r- marked critical acclaim. Movie has been cemented in modern horror pantheon for years. Uh, Corey, what's your background with Starry Eyes?
0: So I first saw Starry Eyes a couple of years ago when I was, I took a horror production course at USC from Dr. Rebecca McKendry, and she highly, highly recommended this film and we watched it in her class. And then actually we were lucky enough to have um, the directors come in and talk to us about it and give us like a little Q and a, and it was just the coolest thing.
1: Oh, that's awesome. You actually uh, yeah. heard it from and the, uh, <laughs> from the source. So you are the expert. On this Literally, song. it
0: was, it was so cool and i grew up acting as a kid so i like really felt like i knew what this movie was going for
1: i can only imagine what that is like i've talked to several of my friends who have have done acting and things like that about this uh, particularly a few scenes of this and uh we'll, we'll get into that as we get into <laughs> it but yeah I, I, this one for me uh was one of those i ran across uh, during a time when i was just finding like new horror on on prime had just a run of before shutter mm-hmm. became a thing and uh, um, I think I ran into this and like, you know, hush and all this sort of run in the, yeah. the 2010s that I call it of just really cool, smart, horror. Um And I, I, yeah. I watched this thought, Oh man, this is really cool. This and like the last shift were sort of in the same, you know, evening or whatever. Yeah. Uh, big fan of this, thought it was cool, <laughs> kept it with the directors. I actually liked the screen TV show, even though I am way old to like that show, but whatever. I like the movies. So the screen I,
0: TV show is one of my all-time favorite shows ever.
1: Because <laughs> it's really smart and well done. So I yeah, I got into that. So I was keeping yeah. up with these directors. They did the Pet Cemetery remake and you know, I might we haven't reviewed that here on on uh, film strip. We did the original years ago, and I actually love that movie. Um, and I like the remake. Yeah. The only thing I would say, and I don't think it's the director's fault, is that the whoever made the trailer blew like the coolest part of that in the first you know totally. 30 seconds. I'm like, no, yeah. you saved that, but whatever. I mean, we, we can talk about Steve <laughs> exactly. problems all night, but yeah, <laughs> you we know, oh, yeah. <laughs> really stuck in my head because not only the subject matter, but just the way it was done. And then the more I dug into it, and I'm curious to hear your perspective too, having heard from the directors that this was a script they had and they, they literally put this together from groundswell funding.
0: Yeah. It's totally like the characters in the movie go along with this film and the making of it so well, because it's just a bunch of indie filmmakers that are like getting together and just doing stuff. And that's exactly
1: what this was, which is really cool. Now that is really cool. And uh, again, it's, it's a cool story. So maybe for the uninitiated, I'll give a quick plot summary and we can get into this thing a little bit. Alexander Esso plays Sarah, an aspiring actress struggling to make her way in Hollywood like so many. She works at a pseudo fast food joint in between auditions, acting classes and continual rejection. She has a group of friends, some of whom are aspiring artists and indie filmmakers as well, and whom she keeps at a distance though, while she seeks her path to fame and fortune. And after an audition for a role with, Australia's pictures ends in another rejection Sarah freaks out in the bathroom even ripping her hair out. The casting director observes this and tells Sarah to do that for them in another audition. And she eventually does and gets a call to meet with the producer of the film. And in a tale far too common in Tinseltown, he propositions her for sex while promising her a role and much more. She refuses, of course, and confides in her friends who convince Sarah she made the right choice. And she's on to work in their indie project with them after they get wild and have a good time. So during her drug induced fervor or something, Sarah changes her mind and con. Uh, contacts the Australia's folks again asking for a second chance she goes back to the producer and while performing oral sex on him he reveals pentagrams on his hands and tells her that if she's willing to destroy her old life and be born again she can have all the things she dreams of while uh bunch of people from eyes wide shut or standing around. I don't know. We'll talk about it afterwards, Sarah mentally and physically deteriorates. And we see this in front of us and she reaches out to the folks again, begging for help. And they you know, remind her of the condition. She must bury her old life, all of it in order for the promise to be fulfilled. And she has a choice. She can either die or, you know, fulfill her destiny. So Sarah goes on a brutal rampage and kills all of her friends. And the people behind Estrella's pictures reveal themselves to be part of a demon-worshipping cult, uh, worshipping the demon named after the same uh, production company. And they perform a ritual which causes her to basically give rebirth to herself in this really odd scene. And then she emerges from the ground the next day morning, flawless and healthy and no hair at all. Uh, she looks like uh, the you know, woman in the first Star Trek movie, V'ger. And she finds gifts from the cult: a dress, uh, you know, a nice necklace, and a big wig. And so she goes home to see her roommate and kills her last friend before taking time to admire her new form in the mirror as her eyes glow green and credits roll and that's a that's a straight line through this movie there's a lot to talk about as we get into it and you said you were you were an actress a child actress and thanks Corey. you've done some of Mm -hmm. this stuff and i think what's neat about this is they drop us right in on sarah we just get a sense of sort of her day-to-day life of going from working at the chicken shack kind of place to auditions and all that back and forth i want to ask you just your experience Auditions and things, what's that process like of just going before people reading something and walking out of a room and having no idea like whether it worked or not?
0: It's the worst on the planet. Like it is so miserable. (laughs) Um, auditions are like so nerve-wracking, and you get zero information about what you're usually, you get no information about where you're going, what the audition's about, anything about the people. So like you don't know who you're going to be with. And if you don't have a cat, if you don't have like an agent, like Sarah didn't have an agent there, they could be like murderers that are just putting out, like, you don't know, you never know who these people are that are putting out casting calls. Um, They could say they're a pictures and not even necessarily be them. So it's a really scary process. I was lucky enough to never have any like bad experiences like she did or um, have to be like a working actor because i was a kid when it was when i was acting but mm-hmm. um no it's it's not super fun and a lot of times you feel like you give the performance of a lifetime to just get a like we'll be in touch you know oh, God. <laughs> so you just never really know
1: yeah i mean that, that's yeah, the part of crazy. it crazy yeah, that's the part of it i, I, c- I couldn't get over and I, t- I talked to some friends that have done a lot of acting mostly theater acting and they said that the, the process is eerily similar. You go in, you read some lines, and they go, "Okay, thanks." And you have no idea. Like, yeah. was that what you wanted? Did you, I give you, a note? you just don't know. And for what mm-hmm. I do in the day, and it's job, like, can you
0: give me a note? Can you tell me anything? Like,
1: yeah, yeah. That, that's part of that where Sarah does that in this, and I relate it so much to you know my my day job where people you know, interview for jobs and stuff like that, and they always ask like, can you give me any feedback? And I'm like, legally, no. Like, uh, you know, I can't tell you any that better. You know, like. <laughs> It's it's not uh, part of it's not part of the the culture. We don't you know let you do that because there's so many reasons. And gosh, yeah. it would be useful. But um, again, there's there's reasons why we don't do that. And I think that's that's so neat though is to yeah. get to see her operate. And what I want to at least my impression of it, I want to get yours of is that. We're watching somebody who, like you said, doesn't have an agent. So clearly ha- has just done a little bit things here and there. And we don't really get a lot about her backstory, but I kind of imagine Sarah being from like, you know, the Midwest or something like that and going out to Hollywood to seek her, you know, her dreams and where Definitely. she came from. I can imagine like she was the biggest deal in town. Like she was in everything, people mm-hmm. knew her, she was hometown famous. And she gets out there and she's just another yeah. face. And like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff you have to deal with when you're facing that. And you can almost see it. And Alex Esso has such a, an, a set of eyes that's so good that the movie is all about her eyes yeah. and stuff like that. But she performs with this just deep amount of pain. And what am I doing? Oh, this is what I love, but it's killing me. All of that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you watch the movie and it's, So frustrating because you're like, oh, she's such a good actress. She totally deserves to have this huge blockbuster role that will be a gateway into her career. And you're like, God, I want her to get it. But you don't want her, obviously, to do the bad things. So it's just it's a struggle. And I think you can tell that this really comes from a place of struggling filmmakers that know what the industry is like and have experienced this kind of thing before. And it's just so heartbreaking to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I did read one little note that they said that a lot of this was very similar to the audition process that they had been a part of. And when they were auditioning people for stuff, they were like, we didn't really know what to tell people. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't give anything. And people would yeah. just you you know, get walk no information. Yeah, it's It's from both sides. Like, it's mm-hmm. just it's
0: a it's a weird system. And it it's creepy. And they perfectly showcase that.
1: Yeah, I think that what one of them even said, like, you have to be a little bit psycho on both sides of this table to do this because you walk in and you perform for, sure. for the job and then you may find out nothing. You know, you'll never know what, what it was that worked or didn't work yeah. because the people often you're auditioning mm-hmm. in front of and even in, in indie your pro- productions and stuff may not even be the people that you work with every day. You know, it it could be part of the yeah. finance team. It could be the production group. You, you have no idea. And you know, like casting directors don't. I have a, a colleague who used to be a casting director, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, did you get like going sets and stuff?" He's like, "Dude, I never saw any of it." He said, "I just no. cast the role yeah. and handed it off." And I thought, "Wow, how interestingly <laughs> disconnected from all of this did the people get?" It's
0: it's crazy. It's just such a it's such a weird process, and there are so many different ways it like depends on at each audition what to expect and they're all so different so it's a weird terrifying process and i think they capture that so well and i would never seen a film that did that so well before
1: yeah yeah, yeah, it really did nail that. And uh, I will say it's it's neat to watch her go through her day-to-day and we meet her friends and things like that. And then this audition comes up pretty early.
0: Her friends are just the worst. Right? <laughs> like, well,
1: some her of them friends, are. Like, I
0: think Tracy's, like, a good of, friend. Just that one girl, really. It was <laughs> yeah. just so frustrating to watch. And you're like, God, I just it'd be so good if she got this role and, like, she would prove them all wrong. Right. Well, you there's really always, like, want it for her. You can tell why she wants it so badly.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think in every group of friends of like, especially artists and things like that, there's always like a couple of naysayers that just think, "Yeah, yeah y'all are not even yeah. good," you know. And then there's there's a there's a, the supportive ones who really don't know what else to tell you other than like, "Yeah, you can do it. Go for you," you know. And there's there's yeah. usually one person that's actually going to give you good feedback, and it's the it's her director friend. It's mm. Noah Sagan's uh, character in this. This is an early role for him too, and he's he's been in all kinds of cool I stuff. Know. He's one of he's it's one so, of Ryan Johnson's so like cool favorite people. especially
0: because yeah it's it's so awesome to see all of the actors in this interact too because so many of them went on to have such incredible careers within indie horror and they all work on each other's films it's the coolest thing yeah, so, yeah, I really is. love the cast in this movie. It makes me so happy.
1: Yeah, it is neat. And I mean, I, you know, I had friends that came up and did a lot of film and, and, again, a lot of community theater and stuff like that. And then even when I was, like, in bands and stuff growing up and coming up, like, we all played on each other's stuff and would write each other's yeah. stuff and trade, like, hey, man, what are you using on this and all this? I mean, it's, it, there's there's something cool about that level of it, but there's also, like, this ultimate always competition, like, I ain't going to tell that guy how I'm setting up my amp because I don't want him to sound like me, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah and and well, especially so-
0: within the in the movie like when the when that one friend was like kept belittling the project the silver screen. She's like, Oh, what a stupid name. And all that stuff. It was like, Oh,
1: so annoying. <laughs> I know. I know. And I, but I do, I do think that there is this, this, and it still exists today. And for reasons that will baffle me until I'm gone from this earth as to why people look down on horror movies <laughs> as a bad thing. It's most people's gateway yeah. into anything. It's cheap to make. It's, it's pretty simple, which you have to pull off to do a good one. Right. And look how many major stars yeah. have been broken by you know, movies like this, and I mean, to, to, exactly, yeah, to top off the queen of all of them who's still doing them, Jamie Lee Curtis, who never shied away from it and had, has had a, one of the most know, talented graders. actresses of our time, right? Yeah. Right, and has done who so much stuff. Never would have been found without Halloween, no, right? I mean, she was doing lame TV yeah. commercials for JCPenney. So, I mean, even though she was Hollywood royalty, <laughs> she couldn't get a kick. So, yeah, nah, miss, miss me with all that horror movies are cheap. Like, if you've got a friend that it's tells you that, a little. Like, nah. <laughs> It's just rude. And it's
0: like, not everyone also has millions of dollars to spend on a film. So gatekeeping the genre, like, is just crazy, but. Yeah.
1: It's why I'm so yeah. thankful for a service like shutter and, and things like that. And even what Hulu's yes. done to fund mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Blumhouse has, has been notorious for this for years. Definitely. I shouldn't say. Anything. Yeah. But I mean, they, they funded a lot of stuff. So, I mean, you may not like the period. Oh, yeah. Activity it's incredible. Movies but the money that they made made a lot of stuff yes. you do like so and that that's exactly. how, i mean and look and um,
0: well and they also made so many filmmakers be able to be recognized and be able to actually work and so it's like yeah. whether or not you like the movie it did so much for so many people so
1: yeah, I got bad news for anybody that likes those Lord of the Rings movies. New Line Cinema ain't got no money to do that if Freddy doesn't exist. So, like, they, they, that's, that's where that <laughs> exactly. started. Like, they <laughs> will tell you that. It's huh? all Wes. Bob Shay yeah. will tell you that <laughs> to this day. So, but I mean, <laughs> exactly. that really, that, that's the fun part of this, though, is getting to see that. i that. That's a good point. Yeah, and, and But it is it is a peek behind the curtains on how these things get made. And from the maker's totally. point of view, right? And Sarah is really mm-hmm. torn between these worlds. She wants mainstream success, but what's good for her is actually probably doing the indie thing and yeah. just staying with it. But it's not what she wants. Like, she's already given herself over to it. And that's what I find so neat about this is ultimately she's going to be asked the, the old eternal question, the, the Faustian deal, Will you sell your soul for fame and fortune. And she already has. Like that's the 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 yeah. lesson of Faust is that he had already made up his mind before the devil ever came in with the contract. And that's the same with her too. Yeah. Is it's they're just looking for the right person. But what is so neat about this is she does the audition, and she's not necessarily bad. She just doesn't do anything for him. Like they don't think like eh, yeah. she doesn't seem desperate enough. And then she goes and has that freak out in the bathroom, which is freaking amazing. Like that is
0: unreal. She is- Alex's performance in this movie rips her hair out is just insane. Yeah. And I think it, I mean, it again, like it showcases her frustration so perfectly. And you're like, God, you just want her to get this role. You know, you want this for her so bad. And you understand why she's so upset. And it, it just you can, I feel like you can really feel her pain.
1: I, absolutely. I mean, you you really do feel like she is, she's literally to the point where she's gonna tear her hair out, you know, because she yeah. can't. Deal with it anymore. It's like it's like that line, there's an all-time low song I love uh, called Forget About It. And it's like there's some days I think we're gonna figure it out, and there's other days you make me want to tear my fucking hair out. And I'm like, Yes, yeah. that's exactly where she is at this point. <laughs> totally. totally. Yeah. And but what's neat she opens the door up and there's that, there's the casting director who I don't know what Nazi war criminal film they found that woman from because that's exactly what she looks like she is playing. Like I, I'm not saying her as a all. person, like that character. No. Cause there are three people in that scene, Corey. And it, there's like the there's the directory person who's just there, there's the casting person, and there's Alex. And every one of them are in a different movie, and it is amazing. Yeah.
0: She's um, I don't know if you've ever seen All the Creatures are Stirring, but she is in that movie and she is incredible, that actress. I just want her to be cast in every horror movie till the end of time. Like
1: she's so great. But she's she's awesome in that. Maria Olson's her name. And I again I don't know her from you. You mentioned that I remember that now, but I hadn't seen her or anything. But yes, she is like. Nurse Ratched. So,
0: she's just so good at being like that terrifying.
1: <laughs> yeah, that evil assistant principal you yeah. had. You know, just yeah. It's just there's something she's about so her scary. Yeah, that is just yeah. off putting. She's just right? so
0: intimidating. She has such a
1: weird vibe. It's right. Perfect. And then again, you have the guy there that looks like he's fronting a Thirty Second to Mars cover band, and, and he's doing the 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 thing with that and they're trying to get Alex to go for it and what's funny is when she really does let herself go and she just freaks out and throws that Mm fit on the floor and everything and all they give her again is like okay thanks (laughs) I was like gee you brought me back in here and that's what I do so she really feels it for that and oh you could just feel like she's just Oh, just so defeated from it and uh mm-hmm. I don't know, that, that's what i like those and, and well, i give a lot of this the, the the movie really centers on alex esso's performance and mm-hmm. how she just takes us on that emotional roller coaster and it's really believable to follow her and you i mean i don't know anything about her but you kind of wonder like you had a little experience with this you know go through some of this kind of stuff yeah i mean and
0: when they did the q a they said that she hadn't really been in anything previous to this and they just kind of like found her And I just she was so perfect for the role and they just got really lucky. And I just think that is insane because wow, looking at every her performance, like I can't wait for her to be an A-list star like she has to be she's so talented that I'm just waiting for her movie to come out.
1: <laughs> right. Like you, you just keep waiting for that next thing for her. So It's
0: incredible <laughs> that they were able to find her like that.
1: That's, that's amazing that they just picked her out of a a crowd. Yeah. Like that's so what you know, that's the magic of Hollywood though. And you know, even on, on the totally. indie scene, you find people that are just like, they just have a thing. And you know, next thing you know, they're the, you know, there's, Go, yeah. go board somewhere or whatever. Hopefully not at the price that the character pays here, as we'll, we'll get into. So oh she gets, God, yeah. She gets Hopefully call- that's changing. Yeah, yeah, please let it be. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the the ultimate one, but the, the callback, the first callback, is the thing that gets me and apparently like this is based on again experiences the directors had not themselves putting on but where they just walk in and they tell somebody like okay we just need you kind of strip down like you know take everything off but just strip down and then you get like this weird strobe lighty thing and i want to ask you like what is the trance she goes in is that part of like all the mystical what's hot that they got going on in this or is she are we just sort of seeing this from her eye point of view where she is being seduced by the evil that is behind all this stuff?
0: I saw it as a bit of both. I saw it as part of it being like her just being able to let herself go and feel comfortable and like tell herself that she got a callback, like she's perfect for this role and like look at her go, you know, and the other part of it being like she's selling her soul and she doesn't even realize it at this point. Because I feel like the the, this, the bargain or whatever started before, before the second callback.
1: Oh, I I agree. Cause you can tell them the way she's talking to her friends about like, I really hope I get it. Like, there's something about this. I'm just drawn to. Right. yeah And I I think it's like, like I said earlier, the, the, the fable under Faust is that he had already decided to do it before there was ever a deal Mm -hmm. to do it. It was just waiting for the opportunity. And Sarah is at the point in her life evolution, whatever, where she's like, I will literally do anything no matter what yeah. to get where I want to go. I don't care what everybody else says. And she does me. She goes through it. But again, I will give these guys the credit here. And it's something so stylistic. And that can that can be really cheesy if it's in the hands of directors doing what they're doing. But they both do a great job of making that it's scene so work. Cool. Yeah, it's very hypnotic. Mm-hmm. It's and very the little cool flashes
0: of her with like the blood are so- so crazy and it's just it's so quick and it just really just puts you off center like it it's just it's so bad but it's gorgeous
1: yeah i mean i I was like these guys definitely grew up watching Freakins, exorcist and like i've seen every cut of that you know known to (laughs) to exist and i've seen all those things in between because that's what makes that so freaky is all the intercut stuff like you see it but you don't but it's It's there so
0: it's so just like disturbing
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the Mm -hmm. things like I will say about this movie in particular that makes it so fun to revisit is you catch more every time you see it because you know what's going to happen. You're not trying to absorb so much. So now you can. Catch all that, and it yeah. gets even more off putting. Like I watch this at home alone, and I'm old, and I'm sitting there going, "Like, man, I'm I'm l- literally looking around the corner right now in my house. Like, I, this, is, <laughs> this is this is freaky. Like, this is really creep me out. Yeah, this is definitely the kind of movie to put on in the dark. Like, that's that's the best part of this for thing. sure. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. Yeah. So they they bring <laughs> it's her so in. So effective. Yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah! They bring her in to meet the producer, and I mean, I don't know who Louis Desiron is either, but please cast him as your evil he's henchman. Amazing! Person. This dude is awesome because he's—I mean, clearly he's—he's he's like this ultra Satanist demon worshiper or whatever person, but he also just plays off the stereotypical sleazeball producer the the Weinstein the all the stuff we've heard yeah. right and that we that you knew existed anyway totally. but nobody talked about it the quiet part out loud is what but I call this was him. even
0: it, before the me too movement oh so yeah. they were really like
1: they were way in front eye. of it but I mean the, the thing is and, and you know you read all the accounts from people that have come forward since the me too movement and more power to them to do so because that should have been called out decades ago let's just say it but they yeah. talk about this has it been going on happen. forever you know this yeah. has been going and-
0: well it's like you look at this movie because it was 2014 and you just think about how up like or or how much of it was it was so prevalent and so very clearly something that everyone could recognize and be like oh we all know this story So it's not like we didn't really know it was happening, you know, it was, that's the whole plot of this entire film is the Me Too movement, basically. And it's like, uh, it's just really sad that, you know, it took so long to get where it is, I guess.
1: Well, it, it is. And it's also like the twist of it is that, you know, this is happening but also everything you've always heard in church is true that hollywood is run by sadness <laughs> and this is how it works mm-hmm. you know and like that <laughs> playing into that though exactly like, it's the funny part is like oh it's wow it's so great yeah like we were right <laughs> <laughs> you know like that's the scary part of it i was um, like okay <laughs> yeah i mean like that, that's what brings the horror to it though and that's what i am saying like nothing we're talking mean, we're talking totally. about things that are horrific in real life but there hasn't been any real horror yet in this horror film except that they're now making the quiet part out loud on two fronts at the same time in front of you. And and what's neat yeah. is that you, you see Sarah's choice is that she is put off by this. Like she has said, I will do anything, but clearly she has a line and good for her for having that line. She should have that, but she has said, Nope, no, we're not yeah. doing that. And she, she runs and she goes back. And I want to ask you what it is you think finally, changes her mind because she, I mean, we got to talk about what happens. Like she quit her job because she got the call back because she was so yeah. sure she was going to get it. And now she's like, what am I going to do? I can't pay rent. I can't do anything. And her friends are giving her, like on <laughs> one hand, they're giving her, you know, a little bit of uh, credit for it, but they're also like, great. Now I got to drag her around for another month. You know, like they're, they're not yeah. as sympathetic. No,
0: I think you especially see, I feel like Sarah is very isolated from her friends throughout this entire film. And she feels like a very different character as opposed to them because they're out drinking every night and she's working like she's auditioning, she's working, she's doing her best to get where she can and they're still in the same place. And she feels like she's not moving upwards, even though she's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing. So I think this is also a really interesting take on like the society that we live in at the moment in America and how we have this ideal of like the American dream and working super hard. And if just, if you work hard, you'll get to where you want to be when that's clearly not the case. And for a lot of people, it's not possible. So it's a really interesting take on that, I think. And I assume she just feels so fed up and she's like, look, I'm what's the difference between, you know, working my entire life to do nothing and doing something awful to get where I want to be. I feel like that's, Sort of her breaking point of like, does she want to work at Taters forever? No. Yeah. Does she want to be a, a roommate with these friends that she doesn't like? You know, like she she'll do anything.
1: Right, and I mean she she goes through this whole struggle, and you're you're exactly right. It is the the age thing that that you go through when you're at her age, when you're in your twenties, and you're you know you're supposed to be all you know adults and whatever the heck that means and all that stuff, and you're trying to figure out what am I supposed to do, you know, with this? And yeah, you know, like I, I remember watching like Buffy the vampire slayer and like season six is, is, kind of lousy as a Buffy season, but it's a really good metaphor for what it's like to be a young adult. Like it sucks because you're not yeah. really responsible enough to be responsible for anything, but you also don't know what you're supposed to mm-hmm. do, what you're supposed to know. And it's this constant push and pull between all <laughs> that stuff going on in your head. And you, there's nobody around you in the circle that you trust the most who can really advise you because they're in the same boat you are. And that's the thing with was totally. is that yeah. Her, her friends some of them are better for her than others like i would say tracy the roommate and the mm-hmm. director like they're probably on her side the other people like mm, you know like when one of them gets a nosebleed randomly she was, and she kind of laughs at it like i was with her i'm like yeah she kind of deserved that so I mean, that's yeah just, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> so horrible to you about everything. So, but um, mm. but in the movie's logic what we're seeing is her seduction to the dark side, if you will, because she already went in kind of predisposed to I'm open to this idea. And we've seen that in her Mm -hmm. trance and her visions and all this stuff. I mean, she sees what she might look like and all of these things. And it's when she's partying with everybody. And I don't know if he he gives her like ecstasy or something like that. And you know they're all jumping in the hotel pool they live in, which I'm like, I'm sure your neighbors really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Uh, but you know, whatever they, oh, yeah. they're out there doing all this stuff. And in that moment, she's like, you know what, wait a minute. She finds clarity there. Right. So she, yeah. she changes her mind and she makes that phone call and she just leaves a message. And no, like 20 seconds later, the phone rings, which, I was like, wow, if only it was that fast, you know, to turn around right. and they're like, you know, be here in an hour. And when she goes back, like you hear the echoes again of what the producers laid on. So not only is he propositioned her, like, you know, you gotta have sex with me or whatever for mm-hmm. you to get where you want, but what he is laying on her is that she can transform and she can become all these things. Like he's deep in this, and she's taking all that as metaphor when. What I look at if you've yeah. watched the movie and you know the secret, like not. I mean, like I kind of give the dude credit. Like he's telling you pretty much like you're gonna kill everybody, you know he and... told her exactly what was gonna happen. <laughs> right. And then it happens. <laughs> and that's what's amazing is yeah, and, and again, it's, it's I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of the neat part of evil though. And I think when evil is represented well in a movie. Uh, and mm-hmm. evil gets lines to talk. It's not just a force yes, moving yes. It around is when it, you boil it down. You're like, evil is not telling you anything. That's not true because why would evil lie? There's nothing, there's nothing to gain in it. They just don't think you believe which is,
0: it. Yeah. Which is like that almost, again, I I feel her frustration totally. And you can kind of see why she takes the steps that she does. Cause like, again, everything that she knows is like, you have to work hard to get where you are. You have to do this, this, and this, you have to work this job. So you can pay the bills, but you have to be an actor on the side and you have to take acting classes and you can't party with your friends and you can't do anything. You have to work, work, work. And that's not getting her anywhere. So it almost feels like evil, the evil side, the the cheating way kind of is like the way to go.
1: Right. I mean, that's what you, you hear, uh, you know, If you ever talk to any band that's ever done anything, and I kind of relate back to that because that was my world, is you think that what you do is you play gigs and you just party all the time, when reality is you work mm-hmm. the two jobs you, you can to save up enough money to get gas in the van to go play a gig in the middle of yeah. nowhere, hoping somebody listens and buys your you know mixtape or whatever, and you're just struggling through that, and you work at it and work at it and work at it. And, you yeah. get, and it makes you good. I mean, that's why a lot of people get real disappointed when their favorite band like finally records that album you've listened to them play for 10 years. And then they do their second one, and because they did it in two years and they had the same experience with it. Yeah, and exactly. Then they're like, well, I, you know, I poured everything I had into the other one. I don't really know what to do. You know, it's a, the good ones figure that out, obviously, get the formula down. But it's why a sophomore slump is a real thing. Like, it's hard to yeah. do something great twice because usually the thing that you're really Really passionate in, you pour so much into it, and then everything you do subsequently mm-hmm. suffers from it. I mean, we talked about Jimmy the Curtis earlier. Look at John Carpenter. I mean, the films that he did post Halloween now have a, a you know reverential following. But he'll be the one to tell you, like, where were all the? Yeah, but they didn't fans? at the time. Yeah, you know, none of yeah. them worked at the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, thanks a lot. Of course, actually, he'll, he'll take the. Jet, yeah. you know, He's happy to, but he talks about like. Everybody expected me to just have that every time I did it, and or you know, you even think about like yeah. Francis Ford Coppola. He made a couple of indie films, and then he did The Godfather. And mm-hmm. how do you top that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's hard to come back and. Do I know that. it's like, yeah. <laughs> what are you supposed to do after those? Yeah, right. No,
0: just like it's a really interesting way that this movie kind of forms how just tired she is. Like it's so you can tell how exhausting it is for her. She's worked so hard and she deserves this and you know, she deserves it, but you just don't necessarily want her to do go to the dark side. But it's also kind of like, is, if she goes into this indie film, is she actually going to get the lead or is this other actor's going to get the lead? And like, is he going to ever film this film? What's going to happen with that? Like, you don't know anything. Right. So it's just, it's a difficult line to walk.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you see him making out with the other potential actress at one point that you know before she yeah. goes back to the to the producer again, and maybe that's what sets her off. You know, she she realizes that like, yeah, this is the more like true to myself way to stay with y'all or whatever. But honestly, like, I don't I don't care about this. I want to be the. She star. doesn't
0: want that. Yeah, she wants to yeah. be the
1: star and there's nothing wrong with that you you just have to accept it and and it's like she
0: worked hard she worked really hard for that so you kind of you want her to be but it's just you she just can't do and it it feels like she has no other options
1: Mm -hmm. you know and that's why it's so sad to see her go through the links that she's going to go to to get this part the only yeah. thing that makes this scene remotely watchable, though, is the fact that this actor goes into, he goes into his own little trance. And again, like I said, the extras extra surmise oh, yeah. show up. And he starts rambling into this, just this whole, like the world will open before you and everything will fall. And he's repeating all this, you know, you must destroy everything. And, and I'm like, man, this guy is talking way too much (laughs) for one thing during an intimate moment. (laughs) Let's just say it. And secondly, like, this is insane. But once again, the devil doesn't try to hide what he is. He just does his thing. And that's what's neat. Again, watching it on, on rewatch, you're like, he is laying out what is about to happen for us. The next act of this movie, literally step by step, yeah. Like you're gonna see all of them. Yeah, and I gotta tell you the steps that these people go through, and I I gotta get I gotta give Colson Woodmark credit. They didn't have money for effects, like they did very little stuff, yeah, and so too, because when she starts spitting maggots up, and that's real stuff, and all oh of that. Oh my
0: god, it is so disgusting yes it's her at the end too when she's ripping out all her hair
1: yeah, it's, it's so gross. It's right out of Cronenberg. <laughs> I don't know how they did that, but it was so well done. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and I'm sitting there, and oh, so, so I started talking to again, I talked to some of my friends that have done things. I'm like, how do you do this stuff? And they're like, Oh, you know, good skull cap, cheap wig, you tear that apart. Like it, it actually will look good if you if you light it right. And that's the thing about indie movies that are usually what makes them look so cheap, is nobody knows how to light anything. Unless you get people mm-hmm. to know what they're doing with them. And these guys obviously knew what they were doing. Adam Brickner, the yeah. cinematographer, knew how to set it up, much like Carpenter had Dean Cundy, who's a legend in Hollywood and will go down as one of the yeah. greatest cinematographers ever. If you know somebody that knows how to set the camera up and light it right, it'll look good. And then it's on the performers. And when she again, as she becomes this sort of deteriorating version of herself, Corey, it is. Unsettling, but I can't take my eyes it's off. It's really hard to watch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it's gross. But I'll say it's really fascinating to me because there are a lot of directors that have this one philosophy that you have to break an actor down into nothing and you have to psychologically like torture them basically so that they become a blank slate that you can kind of create whatever character you want up off of them and i think that's one of an, another thing i really love about this movie that it points out that because you know there are so many roles that have ki- like killed actors like when you think about like the joker and heath ledger and that kind of thing like the amount of the amount of uh psychological distress that certain roles can cause and certain directors can cause like kubrick and shelley it's yeah. so unsettling and disgusting and horrific that i think this movie I'm, I'm really glad this movie like called that out in a
1: way. Yeah, absolutely. Because, there, again, there is that school of where I'm just going to tr- you know, torture this person to get the performance I want out of them. Versus mm-hmm. like...
0: Which is not a form of directing.
1: No, it is that's not. That's just
0: being awful. That, that's if form you're a form of being a horrible person. That. Yeah, you,
1: people can go back and listen yeah. to our cubic retrospective. Kurt and I did all the cubic films through the years here. And we'll always talk about like the pains he put somebody through. To get And you would just wonder, it's just not, you know, like, and you see the damage it did to so many people. And, and that's the thing, though, is you're yeah. seeing this and to realize that there's this other side of it. I call it the Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford dichotomy, where you just say, OK, go. And then Harrison Ford goes, let's play pretend for two hours. And you just do your thing. And then it works out great. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to live what you are to be. And I get method acting. No, I think that's cool. neat. But the best method mm-hmm. actors know how to walk out of it. And even Lee Strasberg yeah. would tell people. And like, I think there's a, a very fine
0: off. line between like method acting and going crazy. Yes. Because when you hear the stories of like Jared Leto sending, what was it, like rats to his co stars and stuff, that right. is again taking it a little too far.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like you're,
0: you're, and I just think there are certain, yeah, yeah
1: there's, <laughs> there's lines... a lot of like
0: self care that needs to be done i think there's their boundaries <laughs> like yeah
1: the best ones know how to handle it know totally. how to go there and then pull back and pull each other back too i mean that's you know mm-hmm. the actors that i know that again still do theater and work they talk about doing these really deeply intense things but they always have time afterward to joke about something or you know talk about my cat or whatever just to decompress all that <laughs> stuff i mean you have to you yeah, have to like drop definitely. all that if heinous you stuff that. from yourself or else you, you'll mm-hmm. be eat up with it what is what is neat to watch no, here for though sure. is yeah and b- back to this movie is you know again there's the metaphorical part of it, but then there's actually what's just happening to Sarah and watching it. And yeah. now we're in the horror movie. Like, yes, this is this is mm-hmm. what I came here for. This is insane. And her fingernails are falling out. When, I mean, it's everything you can think oh. of. And she gets yeah. into that great argument with her her roommate about like, you know, hey, you know, you're you going to eventually pull your weight around here, yada, yada. And I love when she turns back into her bedroom after slamming the door on her. There's just this stack of cash there, just magically. Yeah. And the way she just throws it at her, it was like, oh, this it's is so wow. good. Yeah, it's so good, but it's also like yeah. when you realize, like, oh, she is so screwed, like, she is not coming back from this yeah. because they are literally falling totally. her demise. Yeah, and it's it's mm-hmm. wild. And w- w- she gets to the point, Corey, where she's writhing on the floor, she doesn't know what to do, and she calls them to go, What have I done? Where mm-hmm. what can I do, or whatever? And the producer repeats that back to her, like, I told you, you have a choice, you can either die mm-hmm. and be nothing. You can be reborn, but you have to destroy your life in the process. He just goes on that whole little sermonette again, and there's a look on. I love how
0: she interprets it as the look on her face. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. And like when I first watched this, I was like, oh, she's just gonna leave, you know, her apartment. She's never gonna speak to her friends again. No, she interpreted that as like go after them and murder them, which I thought was maybe a little
1: far. (laughs) <laughs> but but in the motif you get it like there has to be human sacrifice for it works. You know, right and, and again yes. to play with the idea of like how many people did it's you so kill in hollywood to get to where you are <laughs> five mm-hmm. i mean that's that's what happens here and that's what's so neat is that look again alex has his face that look when it just the light bulb clicks on like oh i just have to kill all these people well i hate them all anyway except for maybe tracy's so that's okay <laughs> And she's I mean, like, no and she's problem. not home. I've so, gotten yeah, so, this far, right? And <laughs> so she puts on the hoodie. She goes over and she sees the. First, I love it's the first one she gets is The We talk about the other actress that's just been giving her hell this whole time for you know mm-hmm. you going in silver screens and all this stuff. And when she looks at her and she sees her face and it's it's one time when like the post the original poster of this movie is amazing it's her face with all the cuts yeah. and all that stuff and you see like her i call it like her fly versus the exorcist face and i'm like man the makeup job here is <laughs> tremendous for a movie that was made for nothing oh my god right again
0: and it's hard to watch it's it is so-
1: but on the other hand like from the artistry point of view i'm going how did you do that oh my that? god it's incredible it's, yeah, yeah. It's great. She's like, please go to the hospital. And when she cuts that other girl with the knife, I mean, cuts her on the face too. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's on now. Like it is. I she's mean, she,
0: no longer, She's no more empathy, no more humanity left. Like she's ready.
1: Yeah. And she goes on, I mean, she brutalizes her. Right. And then she, you know, she realizes she's not dead yet. So she suffocates her. That's when I'm like, this has gone full Breaking Bad now. Like, we're just going to choke the dude out.
0: And it, it lasted for so long, too. And she I, just... It's <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, you think she would take a moment where she'd be like, wait, maybe I should stop. No, she was not stopping. She was so sure of all of this.
1: I mean, because, again, it's threshold.
0: Honestly, part of it, you're kind of like, okay, Yeah. Yeah, Listen, but, I value her ambition. <laughs>
1: <Maybe> <laughs> it's not her good brain. to have a dream. <laughs>
0: yeah. But when yes. she goes
1: outside to kill Danny. But, you
0: know, I give her credit for how far she's willing to work.
1: <laughs> right, right. When she goes outside to kill Danny, the director, and she gets that weight and she just turns his head into just a pile of mush. I mean, I was like, there's a way to do that. And there's like Rob Zombie's way where it just makes you really uncomfortable and like, please stop making yeah. me look at that. And then there's this. And it's just enough that you're like, Dude, is she really continuing to hit that yeah. pulp right mm-hmm. there? And but you see it, and it's just slinging all over her, the viscera, all that, and she's just like whatever, like. And that's when you can tell, like, yeah. Sarah is gone. Like there's really? no more Sarah. Yeah. And she, yeah, she has yeah. completely gone at that point. And you know, that's when it, yeah. it, we, we get the whole bit where they they've surrounded her and. I don't know what ritual they're doing exactly where she's on the ground and like in this bubble or something, but it is really unsettling to look at. Like I, I don't know if she's melting into it the is earth. so
0: it's so scary.
1: Yeah, like that is
0: very but strange. It's, um, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think this movie is like the reason that Midsummer works or or what pre like a prelude to Midsummer. Like yeah, the cult. And having this huge rebirth, and this just these violent, violent deaths, and weird rituals, and all this stuff—like, I don't think Midsummer would have been possible without this film.
1: And no, like, like this. It's just so the witch, that, that scene, yeah,
0: yeah at no. the end where she's literally like crawling out of like a body bag, I guess mm-hmm. it's just insane to
1: watch. Yeah, I mean, well, you can it that
0: same like just on edge, uncomfortable feeling.
1: Yeah, and then to smash cut to daylight and she's like it's almost like they buried her by the hollywood sun you know and she's overlooking the town Mm -hmm. right and when her her hand comes up out of the ground i'm like okay we've seen this happen. but they did this great thing they gave her these long they look like steel fingers right she's uh, so
0: well. they play again on hollywood so well with that it's really
1: it's beautiful how they do that you notice it that's the thing but you see her too and aside from the dirt on her like she looks you know, normal again. She's healthy. She looks yeah, happy. she's got this great smile on her face. She didn't have any hair on her head. And I'm she like she's
0: happier than like she was before.
1: Right. Like she's finally she's through it now. And they leave her like this whole box of presents, you know, and you're like that's nice. Uh, how about a shower? I mean, you know, because yes, <laughs> I, I, I just crawl out of the dirt, but okay, whatever. But that it's not over though, and this is where, where we really get it. She goes back to her apartment and she just sort of cocooned herself in her bed because it's all a trap just to get the roommate Tracy to come look at her. And the way oh, she kills so her, gross. Corey is so well. I mean, she's laying there, she didn't have anything all right, and so the roommate is just like what is going on with her and then she almost like she yeah. seduces her and i want to ask you like she basically like kisses this girl to death by ripping her like mm-hmm. tongue out through her own mouth or something i don't know there's yeah. a lot of blood though and it's really weird
0: <laughs> it's it's great it really reminded me of the scene in jennifer's body where like jennifer and needy like needy knows she's a demon but they're like on her bed playing around and i just I. At first was very confused by this scene, but I think it has to do a lot with like, again, she's now like the epitome of beauty. Like she is what we view as the beauty standard. She's, you know, the ingenue in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was sort of the whole reason that they had that kind of weird sexual kiss death, because that's sort of like what she represents now in a way.
1: Yeah, she's literally looks that kill at this point and, yeah. at the, and, and we should say that the effects that they've totally. got going on are with her she's got these contacts in or it's an effect on oh the my after god effects. it
0: looks amazing. yeah
1: those eyes and it's just hypnotic and then she sits in the mirror and she's yeah. cleaned herself up and she's you know she puts on that wig and we've seen the vision of this before but now you're seeing it come to real life and you're like mm-hmm. Sarah got exactly what she bargained for. They gave her everything she said she wanted. And you see those eyes glow and you're like,
0: listen, she gave up her entire life and yeah.
1: And several others um, to to get to this point, but that's, that's the thing. And what you wonder and you're left wondering with like, is she now just like this demon incarnate or is she going to go and become a big star? Like I almost wanted like a coda to the movie where you see her in lights and all this stuff
0: totally well one thing i wonder is like how because stardom only lasts for so long especially when you're a woman because mm-hmm. you know aging that kind of thing i was yeah. like how long is this gonna last for her she has what 10 years left till she's 30 like when is when's that gonna i don't know but um i think it was such a that's such a horrifying ending she's so pretty and she just looks so good and confident but they they just made it so terrifying to watch. And you're kind of like happy for her. And then you're like, well, you know, good for her, I guess. (laughs) But it's just so unnerving.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, if you realize what she had to go through to get there. And then again, you think about like, well, what do you have to go through to become famous? Is it worth it? Yeah. Is is it worth it? Mm -hmm. And you're, it's left in big. You're so again, maybe I'm wrong. And it's better (laughs) that they leave it that way because it, it, it does leave you on a great cliffhanger and you wonder, like, what would happen in Starry Eyes 2, The Reckoning? But, you know, we'll never know because they'll, they'll never do that. <laughs> Thankfully, no one has done that. I'm surprised. Uh, you never know. Effort. They couldn't. Yeah. I, it, you never you never I know. Wish. I, I, I kind of so wonder, good. like, if this would ever get revisited again because it, it is such a cool story and stuff. But, yeah, we're at the end of the movie. I
0: hope so. I think it needs more attention. If it If it could maybe be bigger, you know, if more people saw it.
1: I, I think, especially nowadays, too, with just its topicalness, it, and it may be, you know, maybe we're still, mm-hmm. it's it's too raw to, to go there, but uh, it's definitely one worth seeing because it just... For I don't the, think so
0: at all. I think it's perfect, the perfect timing for it to get like a cult following is now.
1: Uh, well, I, th- I think it's definitely gotten that. I, I think it would be neat if it got more mainstream to it as more people talk about this than yeah. then this is a movie yeah. to go to. And, you know, again, if you don't even want to talk about that of it, The movie itself is, you know, phenomenal. Anyway,
0: the the film, like the art of it, is incredible, and it's it's so wonderful. You watch things like The Shining, and you're like, "Well, Wendy Torrance obviously is an incredible performance," but then you you look back at like everything that Shelley had to go through, and it's like, "Is it worth it? What you know? What's really the ending here?" And so I think that again was like a really beautiful. Way of showing just how far actors have to work and artists in general have to work to get mm-hmm. to where they want to be.
1: Oh yeah, I mean you watch The Dark Knight and you see Heath Ledger give this you know once in a lifetime performance and realize that wow, yeah. like how many things changed because he didn't survive that
0: because you know? of him.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I mean, just all the ripple effect and of that
0: forever be immortalized because of that. Like he mm-hmm. will always be the Joker. I don't think no. anyone's going to ever be able to beat that.
1: Yeah, everybody's always going to chase that now, and for years they chased, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Nicholson, and and nobody got anywhere near that, which is funny because he didn't even care yeah. about it; just <laughs> he was just that good. But then Ledger <laughs> Again, comes he, along. Again, <laughs> he he did well. Yeah, yeah, he, he made it work for himself. But yeah, but, but I mean, then you know, Ledger comes along and just wipes exactly, the slate, yeah. you know, and it's. I mean, well, you know, we could. I could talk for days about all the things that that changed about Christopher Nolan's life, but you know, and I don't think he'll ever get over yeah. it. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that you have to ask yourself: like, was it worth it? And that's the ultimate thing. So, was yeah. it worth it, Corey, to watch this movie? Were it time to talk about final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn <laughs> ratings? So, what are yours for Starry Eyes?
0: All right, I. This is like one of my all-time favorite movies, mostly because it's so personal to me watching actors struggle, but um, I'm going to give it an extra large popcorn. It's I think so good, so impressive to watch on such a small budget indie film, how far they were willing to take or how far they were able to take this and just how raw and incredible the performances are. I think it's amazing.
1: I'm going to join you. I think this is absolutely extra large. It's one of the best horror movies I've seen in the last, 15 years i mean it's in the top five of new things that have come out um and it you know again such a simple premise and with no money and and you know a lot of times they talk about like necessity is the mother of invention when you don't have a lot of resources you make do with what you got and they hit it out of the park totally with 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 alex so and it it totally works everything about this movie just totally works that's just all mm-hmm. there is to it. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. a fantastic.
0: It's um, exactly what it needs to be.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic um, performance. It's a fleet movie. It goes by fast and as unsettling and uncomfortable as it is. That's what makes it great. And that's why it's totally worth watching. So yeah. yeah, extra large on on Starry Eyes for me as well. Corey, absolutely been a blast to have you on the show. How can folks follow all of Thank your you tremendous so much for work? Me. Yeah, because you have such great stuff. So please tell folks how they can best follow you and all of the work that you're doing.
0: Thank you. All right. I'm at gory cory horror on Twitter and I'm pretty much on Twitter 24 seven. And then I am at underscore gory cory underscore on Instagram. And you can find my podcast, the scream teens, anywhere you listen to podcasts on the anatomy of a scream podcast network.
1: Strong recommend on all of that stuff and go to cory. Uh, oh, yeah,
0: and to- you can read my blog, gorycory.com.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and that was gonna say. You definitely got to put the blog in because that is that is awesome stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you you I I'll I'll Thank tell you. the story now. You got retweeted in my timeline by somebody and i thought this is interesting and so i just started kind of going down the rabbit hole and i was like this is awesome she really has a great voice and like you know you're you're writing and all this and i was like i really i'm digging this and then Thank i so heard much. you on screen teens and i heard you on a couple of shows i was like okay i gotta get corey on film because this is just way too cool and I, we didn't talk <laughs> about it at the you. beginning but you tweeted something about starry eyes and i was like that's it that's the that's the end because i'm like what can i ask this person to <laughs> review because corey it's i I mean you were by far the youngest guest we've ever had on this show and that's no you know slide at all that is a <laughs> I'm distinction <so> honored. <laughs> but uh, but you are uh, you you have uh, you really bring the bona fides for sure and are definitely uh, someone to Thank watch you. and a great follow and i definitely folks recommend you check out Corey's show and her writing and all the cool stuff she's doing with fangori and everything else because it is fun to keep up with particularly if you're Thank into so horror much. movies just movies in general so um always fun so thanks again for being here cory <laughs> Folks, you can follow the show's social media at Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There you'll find announcements of upcoming shows and everything else we've got going on. you find a link to our letterbox page if you want to look through our incredible archives, 300 plus now, and go to filmstrippodcast.com. You'll link to our Anchor FM distribution site, and we're on the podcast platform of your choice, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that stuff. Please share the show if you can. Leave us a positive review. Helps other people find the podcast. We really appreciate it. So for Corey, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip